Yeah, well, it's good to be here gathered uh, with you guys proclaiming the work of Jesus Christ. I almost didn't want that groove to end. I almost paused the video so we can get a little trap music going on. I, I, I don't know if y'all was ready for it yet. Uh, well, listen, it really is good to be here with you guys. Why don't you just look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Come on, look at somebody else and just tell them it's good to see you. I don't take lightly. I don't take lightly the opportunities that we have to gather together with uh, like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, this really is. This huddle is a moment for us to get together, get some encouragement from each other, hear the gospel, go out and be gospel carriers where you live and where you dwell. And I'm excited uh, to be a part of the church. And I'm not talking just this local church. I'm talking the universal church, God's body, God's family. I'm excited uh, to be here. Excited to be a part of this great, great movement that the Lord is doing. Well, listen, I'm, I'm also eager to preach. I want you guys get your Bibles. I ran out of time in the first service. So uh, Exodus chapter 35, I'm going to jump right in. Over the next five weeks, let me just lay before you uh, our, our desire and our heart over the next five weeks as it relates to um, our sermon uh, time. Over the next five weeks, we'll be in a sermon series called Spread Love. Every week, you'll see one of these videos, kind of a testimonial video of how the, this local church, this local body has impacted uh, the lives of people here. And so you, you'll be seeing a little bit more of that. And I know some of you are like, what is Spread Love? What, what is this that you guys keep talking about? It is our capital campaign, our attempt to raise the resources in-house in order to uh, move to a larger facility that we can make real impact in this neighborhood. And we'll talk a little bit of how, about how a facility can help us to make impact in this neighborhood. We'll talk about it today through the scriptures, but uh, also over the next five weeks, you'll get to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, uh, I love the way Biggie said it, spread love is the Brooklyn way. I don't know if y'all up on Biggie and, and Juicy, but, but I felt weird just even saying that. <laughs> But honestly, it isn't just, it's not just rooted in hip-hop lyrics. It really is rooted in, you read places like John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How did he spread love? By giving his one and only son. So the motivation for us to give is the gospel. It's always the gospel. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to be pressing you guys and challenging you guys over the next several weeks. I, I do have this, this, uh, this brochure. It's actually, we, we printed it out and the print company didn't do it right. And so we opted not to give it out today. But if we have your, uh, your mailing address, which most of you in this room, I think we have them, you'll see this in the mail. So please keep an eye on your mail this week. If we don't have your address, uh, Tasha's team will be out in the lobby and you guys can give us your address and we'll make sure we send you a copy of this. This really, I mean, it's eight or 10 pages and it just has a lot of information about what our hopes and our desires are. Also, October 17th, we really, 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 we're begging you to be here. Uh, we'll have some food. We'll have childcare that night for you. If you have children, uh, that'd be a good night for us to talk a little bit more about vision of, uh, of the next uh, steps and direction for this church. And also, it'll be time for you to ask whatever question you want as it relates to the Spread Love campaign. And so we, we are excited about what the Lord is doing through this sermon series. I promise you, I'm getting in your business a little bit about what generosity looks like. Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, he says to his disciples, uh, he said, be aware, beware or be on guard against greed. In other words, the, the, the way that you can be greedy and not know you're greedy. Jesus is like, listen, this is how you, you got to be aware. You got to be on guard. And the way we push against greed is generosity. It's always how you push back against greed. Give it away. 
And I know some of y'all are like, nah, I got to pass it down. There's a, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says uh, that when you store up and when you save and then you pass it down, somewhere along the line, some generation is going to be a fool that's going to recklessly spend your money. I, I'm just telling you what Ecclesiastes says. One of your great, great, great grandsons or, gra- or granddaughters is going to foolishly, everything that you've worked hard for, they're going to spend it and do away with it. That's what Ecclesiastes says. So what would it look like to invest in something that outlasts you? Churches, I mean, it's the only institution that I know that has outlasted everything. So we'll be in the Word of God over the next five weeks, different parts talking about generosity, stewardship, sacrificial giving, and uh, things of that nature. In fact, let's just jump in so we can do it. Exodus 35. Why don't you pick me up in verse number four? It says, Moses said to the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is, please underline this phrase. It's a melodic line that runs through the whole chapter. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Here's what they brought. Gold, silver, bronze. Blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, uh, acacia wood, oil for the spice, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for the setting for the ephod, which is the priestly garment, and for the breastpiece. Verse ten: Let every skillful craftsman among you. Come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Why don't you jump down to verse 20 with me? Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him. There it is again. And everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting. And for all its services and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were, here it is again, of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating uh, dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skin or goat skin brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in, in, in the work brought it. Verse 25, and every skillful woman spun with her hands and they brought what they had spun in blue and purple scarlet yarn and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them, there it is again, to use their skills uh, spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and and for the oil light and for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, last time it's here, here it is again, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. I don't know if you've picked this up, but in verse number four, the inscription right above my text literally says contributions for the tabernacle. This is the first capital campaign in the Old Testament. 
So I'm going to preach from the topic, lifting up uh, two words in verse number five, generous hearts. Let us look to the Lord. Father, your word tells us in Psalms 119, 105, that your word is a lamp unto our feet. And that is it, a, it is a light unto our path. And so, Father, would you illuminate the dark areas today? May Jesus Christ be proclaimed right out of this text. It's in Christ's name that we give all glory and honor. Let everybody say amen. Look at your neighbor and don't answer, but, but just ask them the question, do you have a generous heart? Ask, ask the other neighbor with a little bit more enthusiasm, do you have a generous heart? There we go. Well, listen, years, years ago, years ago, I pinched a nerve in my hip. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever pinched a nerve before, but it, it literally felt like my hip exploded. And I went to, the, went to the doctor. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And when I got to the doctor, he began to poke and probe and press into areas on my hip. And the whole time he was doing it, he was going, does this hurt? Does this hurt? How about this? How about this area? Does this hurt? And finally, when I screamed out in pain, there was one or two things that was happening in that moment. Either the doctor was pressing without the right sensitivity in areas that, were, that had no injury, that were fine, but he was pressing too hard and that actually hurt, or the opposite. Maybe he pressed on an area that actually was injured. And so it is with preaching on finances. If you are screaming out in pain, if you walk out of here and you're offended, there is the church again asking for money. If that is your disposition, either one or two things is happening. Either I'm preaching on it too much and I'm pressing too hard, but being that this is our first capital campaign, being that this is our first time actually doing a sermon series on stewardship and generosity, I doubt if I'm, I'm pressing too hard. Or the opposite. Maybe I'm pressing with the right sensitivity in an area that there's something else going on in your heart. And I have to say this because all of us in this room either have been hurt by the church and how the church has dealt with finances, or you know somebody that has been hurt by how the church has dealt with finances. Let me lay my cards on the table real early. I'm not after your money. Let me just be honest with you. I don't have some hidden agenda within the sermon series to prey on the vulnerable in the church. I'm not asking you for $300 million so I can get a personal jet. Just not. That is a little, little jab, but I'm not asking you for that. I'm not asking you for that, that black 2018 Bentley that I saw on Instagram, the Continental one with the GT. I, I, I might be asking for that one, but I, I won't be asking you through the capital campaign for that type of money. Because why? Because I don't want to. Let, let me be honest. I drove for years. I drove a, 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 a Saturn View, and we also had a Toyota Corolla, and the Toyota Corolla had a dent in the side. We gave both cars. One of them we gave away and the other one we gave back. I ride, I rode the train this morning to the church. Now I'm saying that to say, I'm not trying to get rich off the saints. That's not what this capital campaign is. So if you walk out of here and say, man, listen, here we go again. Another preacher, another pastor asking for money. I would be doing you a disservice if we do not preach about money. Can I, can I tell you why? Because most of the scriptures talk about money. Okay, let me go to Jesus. Most of Jesus' ministry, he dealt with money. If you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every 10 verses has to deal with money. And so if the Bible, if I'm going to be faithful to, as I told you, the first time I ever preached in this church, the first time I ever preached, I said, listen, I'm not going to shrink back from declaring the entire counsel of God. If that is the case, then we have to deal with money. We have to deal with stewardship, and we have to deal with generosity. 
And so we'll be going over the next five weeks. We'll be dealing with what generosity and stewardship looks like. Uh, let me catch us up to where we are. In, in chapter 35 of Exodus, it's important that we don't just read it and then just like parachute into the passage and don't do any connections to Exodus. So I don't know if you know this, but Exodus 1 starts with, the Bible says that there arose, and we're just literally going to do the electric slide all the way through Exodus to get to 35. In chapter 1, the Bible says that there arose a new king that did not know Joseph. And when this king arose, he started to deal shrewdly or harshly with God's people. And in the midst of dealing harshly with God's people, he found out that the more you oppress God's people, the more we continue to multiply. And in the midst of seeing Israel multiply in the middle of Egypt, Pharaoh said, I got a better plan. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call all the Hebrew midwives together, and I'm going to tell the Hebrew midwives, this is what you're going to do. When you get to the birth stool, if it's a boy, kill the baby. Well, there's two uh, uh, midwives, Sifra and Pua, I'm still in chapter one, that decided that they were going to disobey the king and obey God. And in the midst of disobeying the king, Moses is born. I'm now in chapter two. Moses gets born. His mother, y'all seen Prince of Egypt, so y'all know the story. His mother puts him in a basket and rolls him right up the river. And he ends up in the hands of Pharaoh's daughter, which means he's living in the palace. He grows up in the palace, but when he gets older, he begins to become unnerved by how he sees his people. Hebrews are treated by the Egyptians. And one day he goes out and he sees an Egyptian mistreating one of his fellow brothers, and he decides that he's going to take that Egyptian's life. He kills that Egyptian. In the midst of killing that Egyptian, Pharaoh was full of rage with Moses. So Moses flees to Midian. Now, y'all know the story. Mo Moses gets to Midian, and he's walking by a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. And when he walks by it, God speaks to him and says, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. But then he gives him a mission. He says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go back to Egypt, and you're going to talk to the most powerful man in the land, Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. That's the only sermon you got, Moses, is that one. Let my people go. What does Moses do? Moses argues with God, but finally, Moses decides that he's going to obey God. He goes to Pharaoh back in Egypt, and he says, let my people go. This is what God says. And the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so what does Pharaoh do? He says, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not letting them go. These Israelites, these Hebrews are good for our economy. They're building Egypt right now. No, I'm not letting them go. So God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send 10 plagues. He sends 10 plagues and after plague after plague, Pharaoh's heart is so hardened, he decides not to let Israel go. But finally, the 10th plague, which is the Passover, the, 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 the taking of the firstborn, every firstborn in Egypt, finally he says, okay, I'll let them go. And I've been paraphrasing. The way he says it is, y'all don't got to go home, but y'all got to get out of here. And he lets them go, but he reneges. Y'all know the story. He reneges. Once they leave, he says, nah, I can't do that. We're letting our hardest workers go. So he sends an Egyptian army after Israel. Now, y'all know the story. He's at the Red Sea. The Red Sea is before him. The Egyptians are behind him. And God performs a miracle and opens up the Red Sea. Israel walks over on dry land. The Egyptians try to go in after them, and the water swallows them up. Now, from there on, what you see, that's Exodus 12. From there on, what you see is Israel wandering in the wilderness. They're drinking water from a rock. 
They, they're eating a flaky like, like substance called manna every day. And every day God is providing for them. Exodus 20 comes along and God is like, you know what I need? I need my people to follow a list of rules. So he cuts out of, which is dope, he cuts two stone tablets out of the mountain like fax machine paper coming out of a fax machine. This is how powerful God is. He cuts two stones out. He writes on them. Here's my Ten Commandments. Take these laws back down to my people, which, which really note the progression of Exodus. God delivers them in Exodus 12, and then he gives them laws to follow in Exodus 20. Why is that important? Because that is the, that is the progression of salvation. Salvation is not you follow a bunch of rules and then God delivers you. God didn't give them rules and say, now you can be delivered when you follow them. Because here's the truth. Y'all know we can't keep the rules. Come on, don't act like y'all know. And you know how I know we can't keep the rules? Because Israel couldn't keep the rules. They got a list of rules in Exodus chapter 20. Twelve chapters later, they disobey two of the rules. Not just two, the first two. Thou shalt not build any carven images, and thou shalt not worship any other gods. They build a golden calf in Exodus 32. Y'all still tracking with me? We are now in the Exodus 32. They build a golden calf, disobeying God, a holy God, a good God that gives them laws, which by the way, those laws were never given so that Israel, like, so that Israel could keep them. It was given to show Israel that they couldn't keep them, and that's why they needed a savior. Let me just help you. You think obeying the Ten Commandments is you appeasing God. The Ten Commandments, you fail at all of them. Okay, I never killed anybody, right? So we, I, that one, I'm good. I'm good with that one. But doesn't the Bible say if you fail at one point, you're accountable for it all? Okay, here it is. You get a zero on the test. Christ gets the hundred on the test and trades grades with you. Gives you the hundred while he takes the zero on the cross. And this is why the Ten Commandments is given to show us how holy God is and how trifling you are. And so we get to Exodus 32. They break the first two commandments. But here's how gracious God is. Exodus 34, the Bible says that God is gracious, abounding in steadfast love, and that he forgives iniquity and sin. Exodus 35, finally we are caught up. Now that God, in Exodus 34, he renews the covenant. He gives them two more tablets, two more stone tablets, laws that they need to keep to look more like God. But now in Exodus 35, God says, I need a temple built for me to be worshipped. I need a building that can be erected and built so that my people could come together and I could be worshipped. And that's where we are here. Now, what Moses does in Exodus 35 See, the reason I'm not scared to ask you for money is because Moses wasn't scared to ask them for money. Like that, that the reason I can confidently say, listen, this spread love capital campaign, we're trying to raise $300,000 in the next 26 months. I have no issues asking you that. You know why? Because Moses didn't have any issues asking the people, the, 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 the Hebrews to contribute towards the tabernacle. In fact, he doesn't ask, he commands. Okay, read it with me. Verse number four. It says, And Moses said to the congregation uh, of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord, look at this word, has commanded. Is that in your Bibles? This shows us that Moses ain't asking. Moses is saying, God commands that you give 
towards the tabernacle. Now, I'm, I'm careful with your money. I'm not commanding nothing. I'm saying, listen, I'm pleading with you. We need you to contribute to, to give to this capital campaign. Why? Because at the end of the day, what you're giving towards is not a building, but an investment in the lives of people. Okay, let, let, me, let me, what does God command us? God commands us as Epiphany Church to, to seek the redemption in this city, to make sure that the gospel is going out and the gospel is going out clear. Can you imagine if we had a space large enough, if we increased our sanctuary space, more people could come on a, uh, on a Sunday morning and we could engage them with the gospel. You do know we preach Jesus every week. So can you imagine if we had a bigger space where we allowed, the, uh, uh, we, we allowed people to come in? Sometimes there are people that come to the door and see that there's no seats and walk right back out. Multiple times we've had that. But imagine if we had room for you to bring your non-believing friends, your non-believing co-workers, and bring them to the place where they could hear the gospel preached. Not only that, but our kids' room. Y'all have heard me say this. Sometimes we have 20 to 25 kids in that small space. And after a while, it becomes difficult to teach them about Christ because now you're just trying to put out fires in a small room. But imagine if we had a bigger space. And not only that, we're not even able to engage teens because we have no more room for them. Can you imagine if we had a space, a training center that we could train and, and teach and engage teens as well? And so listen, I, again, I'm not asking you to give to a building. I'm asking you to give to the investment of the gospel if you don't want to give to the investment of a bigger sanctuary, at least do it for the kids. Like, the kids just need more space. Or even our outreaches, all of our outreaches start here in this building. And so we prepare supplies here, and we store supplies here. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, I, um, we did a Thanksgiving outreach. And in this Thanksgiving outreach, Gabe is a genius. He said, man, this is what we're going to do. Let, let's get, we had 16 turkeys that we wanted to cut up and chop up and give out to the community with sides as well. And so we said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rent out a kitchen in Red Hook. He rented out a kitchen. He rented a U-Haul. We packed up the U-Haul with all of this food, 16 turkeys, a whole bunch of sides, and we packed it up and we took it over to, to Red Hook. Started cooking. And some of you were here. Some of you helped out with this. We started cooking and we forgot, or at least we didn't time it well, that we only had the kitchen for a certain amount of hours. But 16 turkeys is a lot of turkeys to cook within a certain amount of hours. And so what did Gabe do? Gabe called me and said, this is what we got to do. I got to bring eight turkeys to your house, and you got to open your oven, and we got to put them in your oven. I got to take the other eight turkeys to Queens, to my house, and I got to put them in my oven. I literally couldn't even close my oven door because I had eight turkeys, what we were doing four and four, stuffed into this little bitty, and not only that, you know, that, that turkey grease, you know, when it, when it gets set up in that, that oven, it just smokes. And it was, I had to empty out my refrigerator, take the, the turkeys that were done, put them inside the refrigerator. Gabe had to do the same thing at his house. Now, what am I saying? The next day, he packs up the U-Haul, he puts his eight turkeys in, his sides, he comes to my house, picks up the the, 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 the turkeys and the sides, and he put, puts them in the U-Haul. We come to this location. We gave out over 300 meals to people who would not have eaten Thanksgiving dinner the day before Thanksgiving. Now, now, thank you for clapping, but I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you that to say, how much easier would it have been if we had a kitchen right in our building? Because I don't want a kitchen for Sunday dinner for myself. I want a kitchen so that we can feed. It's 55,000 homeless people that live in New York. 
And so my, my desire is to see us have an outreach that we can do from a home base, from a specific location. Trust me, your giving goes beyond plaster and paint. Your giving goes to people and the investment into broken and lost and hurting people. Again, I'm asking. Moses ain't asking. Moses says, this is what the Lord has commanded. By the way, notice, this isn't Moses' genius idea. Moses is not like, you know what would be dope? Let's get a temple that we could all gather. No, he says the Lord commands this. This is what the Lord wants. Now, the motivation in the text isn't only that he's commanding it. There's another motivation. Listen, this is not the time to, to tweet, check out, uh, look at your Instagram feed. Stay with me for a second. The motivation, the second motivation in the text is to give because of God's grace through the gospel. Let, let me show you this. Exodus 35, they are now contributing to the tabernacle. Exodus 32 was the biggest event that happened before Exodus 35, which is when they messed up. They built a golden calf in Exodus 32. Are you staying with me? In other words, they should have died in Exodus 32. But Exodus 34 says, no, but God is gracious and he's abounding in steadfast love. And so I'm going to give them another chance to get it right. Now, you might not, you might not be feeling it because I'm talking about Israel, but let me talk about your life for a second. You should have died in Exodus 32. Because for some reason, we read it like, yo, Israel was stupid. Why would they do that? You do the same thing. I do the same thing. And so we mess up daily. And let me tell you what Romans 6 says. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Like, not hurt, not sick. In the morgue with a tag on your toe. The wages of sin is spiritual death. You know what wages are? You have a job in here. Wages are what you earn. And so you've earned death. But that verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So notice this, the wages that you earned is spiritual death. But what you get if you trusted in Jesus, the Bible says it's a free gift called grace. Now, now, the reason I give, the motivation for me to give to Epiphany Church, to this capital campaign, the motivation for me to give is not that I'm scared I'm going to be cursed with a curse. The, the, the motivation for me to give is not because I want to give to God so that he can give a Bentley to me and he can give. So the reason I want to give and I'm motivated to give is that God didn't kill my trifling butt in Exodus 32. I want to give because I made it to Exodus 35. And, and some of you in this room, you walked in in Exodus 32 and you're like, man, asking me for money. I'm still trying to get my life together. Listen, God is gracious. Exodus 34. He's abounding in steadfast love. He forgives iniquity. He forgives sin. And so the motivation for all of us to give is the fact that God has given to us. There's another motivation in the text, though. The other motivation in the text is that the money that's in your bank account right now ain't yours anyway. Can we be honest? You're just a steward over God's resources. Can I show you this in the text? Look at the Bible. Verse number five says this. It says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. It says, whoever is of generous hearts, let them bring the Lord's contribution. Look at what they're bringing. Gold, silver, bronze, purple, scarlet yarns, uh, acacia wood. I'm just jumping around. Uh, oil for the lamps and, and, and onyx stones. Like, they're bringing all of this stuff to the table. I don't know if you're asking what I asked, but here's the question I asked when I read this. 
How did they get it? Like, these are former slaves that were in Egypt. They were in bondage. All we've seen them do so far is cross the Red Sea and wander in the wilderness. Where do former slaves get gold, get silver? Where do they get uh, money, clothes? Where do they get bronze? Where do they get acacia wood? Let me tell you where they get it from. Before they left Egypt in Exodus chapter 12, the Bible says that God favored them and that he told them to go to the Egyptians and take the gold. Okay, let me, let me read it because you don't believe me. Exodus chapter 12 verse 35 says it this way. It says, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. Please listen to this. And the Lord had given the people favor. Let me read it again. The Lord gave the people favor. One more time. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. The gold that they have right now is a result of God's kindness and his favor. Here's the question I have for you. Where does your gold come from? Where did your promotion come from? Like you think you got that promotion because you that dude? You got that promotion because God wanted you to have that promotion. But where did that open door and that opportunity come from? That opportunity came from the fact that in Exodus 12, he gave you gold. Whatever you have right now, and I know you're like, Pastor, that ain't true. I work hard for my money. And I'm not taking that from you. You might work hard. But I also know that there are people that work just as hard as you and don't, have, don't make the same amount that you make. Your gold comes from God. And the moment you realize that your money ain't your money is the moment generosity starts to happen. When you realize that you're just, you're stewarding what God is giving you, you start to realize my gold really does come from God. And I want to be a good steward. of What we've done is we've taken, this is what we've done with God's gold. We've done Exodus 32. Now with the same gold that God gave them in Exodus 12, they also built a golden calf. With the, they took them earrings off, they took them bracelets off, they melted them down, and they made a golden calf. You're either in one or two areas in this room. You're either taking the gold that God gave you and you're building idols, or you're taking the gold that God gave you and you'll invest it into God's kingdom. You, you make the decision. And here's the reality. If you want to know which one you're giving to, look at your bank statement. Because your bank statement really is an x-ray of your own heart. You want to know what, what's really your God? Where's your money? Where do you spend the most of your resources? And at the end of the day, you spend it as though it's yours. You build bigger barns and you say, I'm going to invest everything and I'm going to hold on to my money. I'm going to put my money on my own back instead of giving to something that outlasts you. Where does your gold come from? Earlier this week I, on Monday, I had a meeting at 10 o'clock. And I was praying from, from 9 to 10, and at the, end of, at the end of my prayer, I was right in the sanctuary praying for some of you, thinking about your faces. I'm walking up and down the seats. Every seat I touch every week just to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would rest on that seat, that you sit in it and you'd feel hugged by God. Like, I pray these type of things. And, and I was praying in here, and when it came time for my meeting at 10 o'clock, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was like, get out of the building, go outside and pray. And literally, I felt like the Lord was telling me to walk up to uh, up Fulton, up to Bradford, and walk back. So I, I was obedient. I, I got out. I said, man, I, gotta, I need a half an hour before we start this meeting. So let's move it at, to 1030. I'm walking up Fulton, and I'm praying. 
And as I'm praying, I couldn't help but notice, even though I pass all of these buildings all the time, I couldn't help but notice how many developments they were building. Like these are like a court, like this one right here across the street from McDonald's. I'm, I start with that one. I'm like, Lord, like they're, they're, they're building these residential buildings. They'll probably make a ton of money off of these buildings. By the time I got to the third building, before I got to Bradford, I'm sitting there like, okay, Lord, I, I got to talk to you for a second. Because I don't understand how people that may or may not know you are able to build, like knock down buildings, build buildings like that, have favor with developers and favor with contractors and get permits like, like it's nothing, are able to come to the table with cash. And I'm like, Lord, we're just trying to raise a little bit of money to have a place that we could worship. But then the Lord corrected me. He said, no, you got the gold too. It's in the house. What you need is generous hearts. We need people that are looking at like the investment in this city and saying, you know how the best way to invest? Give. Like, be generous. And so the Bible shows us here that these, and what I love about the items that they brought is that they vary in value. Can we agree that gold probably is more valuable than goat skin? But the person that gave goat skin is no less sacrificial than the person that gave gold. Like, you might got gold, but you might got gold skin. But here's what, here's what I know. We need all of it. If we all put our resources together, we can make serious impact in this neighborhood. So some people bought oil and some people bought silver. Can we agree that silver is probably more valuable? And I don't know what you're able... Like you could be rich and give a lot of money to this campaign. You could knock off the whole campaign. Some of you could write a $300,000 check like this. Holler at me if that's you. <laughs> I'm not, I ain't afraid to ask you. But some of you could, like, seriously, some of you are rich and could write one check and be done with it. But you can be rich, give a lot of money, and still not be generous, still not be sacrificial. Like, sacrifice is to where you feel it. Remember when Moses says he, he gets a field, he's about to make a sacrifice to the Lord, and, 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 Mo, and not Moses, uh, uh, David. And David says, listen, I will not, he, the guy said, man, take the field. You're the king. I'm not, not going to charge you. He says, no, I got to pay. And the reason I got to pay is because I will not offer my Lord something that costs me nothing. Like we go through life so comfortable. We go through life not sacrificing. And I don't want to beat y'all up because honestly, y'all are actually very generous. Y'all have been giving to, I know I'm asking you for a lot. I know I'm pressing on you a lot. But I, again, I'm not afraid because some of you can bring some of these items. Don't literally bring goat skin. But, but. <laughs> Some of you could bring the resources to the church. If you bring goat skin up in here, I'm going to think that's some voodoo stuff, some weird. Don't bring no goat skin up in here. But, but, but whatever items that, whatever resources God has given you, you should be able to bring that to the kingdom of God. So what I love about this passage is, look at verse 10 with me. Gosh, can you give me a napkin? I, I don't, oh, yeah, I must have lost it. Look at verse 10 with me, because they did not just bring finances. Verse 10 says they brought their skill set, too. Look at verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and, and, and make all that the Lord has commanded. And so there are some people that brought goat skin, and, and they were able to bring a case of wood, and they brought all these items. And then there were some people that said, I'm going to bring my gifts. I'm going to bring my skills. I'm going to bring my talent. And here's what we need. We do not just need generous hearts. We need willing hands as well. 
We need people that will put, because the reality is some of us, I'll go so far as to say most of us, we have a desire, thank you. We have a desire to see the community reached. But most of us in this room, we want to see it reached, but we don't want to be the ones participating in getting it reached. We don't want to put our hands to the plow. We pray for it. We watch it from afar. We were like, man, that's great that the church is doing that. But, and, and, but some of us don't want to actually do the work necessary to reach this neighborhood. Like, you do know God doesn't need us, right? Like, you, you know, our, our mission statement here is we exist to join Jesus and his mission to redeem our city. God doesn't need Epiphany Church to reach the city. He's been doing it long before we got here. We just got here. But he's been working in re- redemption of this city. God didn't need Israel in order to build this tabernacle. They could have went to sleep and woke up and had a brand new tabernacle with flat screen TVs, a, a state-of-the-art digital board. And a, can you imagine Moses walking around with a little headset on? Like they could have woke up and God could have just dropped it from heaven. Does he not do that with manna? Does he, did he not part a Red Sea? God does not need them. Me asking you for money is an invitation for you to participate in what God is doing. Like, like you got to understand, Moses didn't need them. God doesn't need us. He's going to accomplish his mission, whether we do it. If you give no money to this capital campaign, I believe that God is so invested in this community that we're still going to get the space necessary without you giving the resources. I believe that. You know why I believe it? Because this is the pillar ground in truth. Church, with all of our dysfunctions, the church is the, is the living, is the place where God dwells, place where his spirit resides. This used to be a gym. Like, two or three years ago, people were working out in this room. But we were able to convert it to be a place where we could worship. My hope and desire is that we could See that happen again, just like they're building these buildings. I, my hope and desire is that we could do the same thing. Now, how do they respond? Moses asked in the first couple of verses, he says, this is what I need. Some of y'all got bronze, some of y'all got this, some of y'all got that. I need y'all to bring it, bring it to the tabernacle. How do they respond? A couple of verses. Verse 21. says, that, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. Look at verse 29. And all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord has commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. You know what's dope about this passage? They brought so much that if we get to Exodus 36, they brought so much that Moses had to say, stop bringing the contribution. It's way too much. In fact, let me, let me read it because when I read it this week, I said, Lord, please let me get in this place where Moses is. Look, look at verse 3. And I'm in 36 now. It says, and they received from Moses all the contributions that the people of Israel had bought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings. Here it is every morning. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from his own task that he was doing. And said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave a command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Look at this. Let no man or woman do any more for the contributions for the sanctuary. 
So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Can you imagine that? Moses had to get back before Israel and say, I know I told you to bring this stuff, but y'all brought too much. Like, so our campaign runs 26 weeks, well, 26 uh, months, two years, right? And our hope is to raise $300,000 in the next 26 months. What would it look like for me to get up at month eight or nine and say, y'all brought too much. Stop giving. Like, our bank account can't even hold any more money. You guys are giving too much. I'm probably not going to do that. I'm going to say keep giving. (laughs) I'm not as sanctified as Moses. Y'all pray for me. But can you imagine that? Like, if y'all gave so much that we knocked it out a year in advance? Can you imagine if you guys brought so much? And I'm not talking, like, I'm talking creative giving, which means some of y'all got two houses, sell one, say, I'm giving this to the church. That stuff happens. Some of y'all that, some of y'all that, you know, have too many clothes. This is what my wife and I are doing. We're, we're going on Poshmark. If y'all never go on Poshmark, y'all can grab some of our clothes. I will just put it right into the, to the church. We, we literally are taking some of the clothes that my boys have, that we have, that we just don't wear anymore, and we are literally putting them on Poshmark and taking every dime and putting it back into the church. But we're also looking for ways that we can consistently give because we want to consistently give to meet the goal of this campaign. We're also looking for courageous ways. Where can we sacrifice? On November 4th, which we'll talk more about it, November 4th, my wife and I are like, listen, we're bringing the biggest offering we've ever given to Epiphany on one Sunday. And I ain't gonna lie, it's making me a little uncomfortable. The amount we're trying to give makes me uncomfortable. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing. I'm asking you to give in so many different ways to help us to create a, 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 to help us to build a bigger space, not build, but maybe even move into a space that we could comfortably come to worship God so that we can make impact on the neighborhood. And again, I need us to respond like they responded in Exodus 36. They should have died in Exodus 32, but God graced them to live. What we need, actually, I'm not even talking about money anymore. We need your heart to be generous. Five times in this passage, it talks about a generous heart, a willing heart. Oh, I kept saying it. Look, here it is again, a willing heart. Because at the end of the day, your money really isn't about money. It's all about your heart. It's all about what's in your heart. And again, I'm not asking you. I'm not using scare tactics. I'm not telling you, don't give. You walk out of here, you're going to get a flat tire. You know, some people do that. Like, and then you give all your money and you still get a flat tire. Like, y'all act like y'all don't go to churches that did. People do it. I am telling you to give because God gave his very best to you. God didn't give Gabriel. He didn't look at the archangel Michael and say, man, go do the work for him. Because it wouldn't have been sufficient. He gave his one and only son so that you could have eternal life. Now, what do we give back to God? What does generosity look like in our hearts? My hope and prayer is that no altar call. My hope and prayer is that you would walk out, not be offended, but walk out and genuinely say, how can I be more generous? How can I give? Because at the end of the day, I'm not giving to a building. I'm giving to people. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Lord, I, I know. I'm, not, I'm being honest. Lord, I know I'm asking for a lot. I'm asking people to give resources and be sacrificial and be generous. I'm also asking people to give up their time and their skills. But Father, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm dead and gone. 
spend an eternity with you and someone else, if you do not tarry, if you do not come back and somebody else takes, well, all of us are gone and another generation has inherited a space that we were giving them so that they can make more impact later on. Father, that's what I want to give to. I want to give my life to that. I want to give my resources to that. Because at the end of the day, Lord, this is what you require of us. I love that Moses says that this is a command that he's, he's putting on Israel and they responded rightly, even though they messed up a few chapters before. They realized that because you're generous and because you're gracious, that giving to you outlives them. So Father, I thank you. Because Israel gave to this project, I think of how this had a ripple effect all the way God, all the way to us sitting in this room. Like we're sitting in this room because faithful men and women down through the years has been generous. Think about some of these churches here in this neighborhood that when slaves were migrating to the north and they couldn't get loans for houses, some of the first credit loans were the churches. Father, I thank you for the investment into this neighborhood. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to play a small part in that. And the greatest way we can do that for the next step of this church is by giving to you. Father, I realize that this idea of spreading love is only launched off the platform that you have spread love to us. And so may we walk out of here all week, be saying in our mind, how can I be, how can I spread love? How can I spread love? May we spread love with our resources, but also spread love with our time. It's in Christ's name I give all glory and honor. Let everybody say amen.